Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. This is Saul Weiner, your host for the podcast, and today we are doing Isaiah 38. However, I'm going to start with the last three verses in Isaiah 37, simply because I forgot to add them when we did Isaiah 37. <laughs> if you remember, um, God has just answered Hezekiah, Hezekiah the king's prayer to save Jerusalem and told him that he was going to save Jerusalem from the siege of the Assyrian army. But he made clear to tell him that it wasn't in his merit, in the merit of Hezekiah, but rather it in the merit of saving the kingdom of Judah and in the merit of, of his God's own honor and the blasphemy of the Assyrians. This is an important point because there's a reason why God felt and was hinting that Hezekiah himself was unworthy, did not have the merit, was not righteous enough to merit that the people be saved on his behalf or in his merit. The last three verses of Isaiah 37 just recount the event of the miracle of the saving of Jerusalem from the Assyrian army, which was encamped around the city of Jerusalem. According to rabbinic tradition, this occurred on the first night of Passover, the Seder night. And a, and a messenger of God or an angel of God came down from <coughs> and he struck down the camp of the Assyrians, the military camp of the besieging army. 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. And the people of Jerusalem woke up in the morning, and these 185,000 soldiers were lying as corpses in the field. And the king Sancherv, who was leading the army, now had to retreat and ran back to Assyria, and he settled in his capital city of Nineveh and had to give up the siege of Jerusalem. And he went to pray. In, in his temple of the Beit Nisroch Elohav, of his god Nisroch, of his, of his uh, idol Nisroch. And as often happens in a case where um, the king is, 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 is down on his luck and suffered a major defeat, there is a coup. And his two sons, Adar Melech and Sar Etzer, struck him down with the sword while he was prostrated in front of his his idol. And there were some loyalists apparently that to Sancherev that uh, threatened their lives and they ran off to the land of Ararat. And the people uh, made King Eser Hadon, Eser Hadon, his son, Benel Tachtav, became king in place of Sancherev. So that was the end of the siege and the end of the Assyrian army. Now at the same time, by Amimahim, and now we start chapter 38. Chizkiyahu became ill, deathly ill, and he was on his deathbed. According to tradition, this occurred about three days before Passover, three days before the, the, um, the siege of Sancherev was broken by the miracle which we just read about. Um, it's interesting to wonder if this was an actual physical illness or if this was a... An, a psychological illness of extreme depression when Chizkiyahu sees his, his kingdom completely falling apart. We do know that he went to the temple to pray and we know that God said he was going to save 
save the people of Jerusalem. But Chizkiyot would have also maybe have been very depressed by the fact that God had basically told him that you are not worthy of saving the people. I'm just doing it for my own honor. That may have caused a depression. That's, of course, just speculation on my part, but something I wanted to put out there. But either way, he was sick and on his deathbed. And the prophet Isaiah, son of Amotz, came to him, to the king, and said to the king as follows, Command your household, in other words, get your affairs in order, get your will together, make sure you know who's taken over after you, etc. Because you are going to die from this illness, you shall not survive this illness. Of course, that led Chizkiyahu to be quite depressed, even more by Yasev Chizkiyahu Panov Elakir, and the king turned his face towards the wall, presumably turned towards the wall so he can focus on God rather than focus on the people that were surrounding his bed. And he prayed to God. And he said, Please God, please remember God, that which I have been walking in front of you in truth and with a complete and whole heart. Remember God, Chizkiyahu says, I have been devoted to you, God. I have been loyal to you, God. I have been loyal to you throughout. I have not worshipped the idols. I have reestablished the temple as the only place where people come to, to offer sacrifices. I destroyed all of, all of the, the alternate um, uh, altars and, and temples that were popping up around the state. I, I eliminated worship of idols, etc., on a theological level, at least, Chizkiyahu says, I've been loyal to you, God, and I've been, I've been straight with you. And I've been doing what is good in your eyes. And Chizkiyahu cried and cried a great cry. It is truly remarkable that Chizkiyahu, and this is clearly what Yeshayahu and Isaiah is trying to point out here, and we'll see this come out in this chapter and the next chapter in a very dramatic way. Chizkiyot, Hezekiah is presented as a righteous king, one who's loyal to God. And this fight that we saw between the Assyrians and the, and the people of Judah, on a theological level, Chizkiyot seemed to have it right. He seemed to understand that there's one God who's different than every other God. This God is the, the creator and, and um, the only one that actually has the power and ability to intervene and save etc however nowhere do we see the the ideas that Yeshayahu had so deeply imagined for this righteous king if you recall correctly if we look back um, at, at chapter 9 at the famous verse where Yeshayahu spoke so glowingly of the young child Chizkiyahu, who was then a son in his father's house, who was then the king Ahaz, who was such an evil king that we learned about before. But if you remember what he said back then, Ki yeled yulad lanu, a son has been born to us. There is a young man in the house of of of, of Ahaz who is going to take over. Batiyam Israel Shechmo, he's going to take over and be the king. And what did he say then? Limarbeha Shalom in Kates. This person is going to take abundant or tremendous authority and peace, endless peace, 
Al kisei David v'amamach on the throne of David and his kingdom l'achinota to set it up u'lesada and to establish it b'mishpat uvitzdaka with justice and righteousness me'ataviat olam forever. Isaiah had the idea back then and had the the vision of Chizkiyahu as being the ultimate king, the one who was. He was at the time young, not yet taken over, but the one who was going to be righteous and established a just and righteous kingdom. Nowhere, nowhere in these four chapters, 36, 37, 38, and 39, where we've been finding all this dialogue between Chizkiyahu and, and, and Yeshayahu, Hezekiah and Isaiah and the Assyrians and the people, etc., do we find Chizkiyahu emphasizing what we would call today the social justice aspect? of what Chizkiyahu was dreaming about, of what Yeshayahu was dreaming about, and the potential of Chizkiyahu. Chizkiyahu seemed to get the theology and the loyalty to the one God correct, but he seemed justice and righteousness. And I point this, we need to pay attention to this when we see um, the the response to the Chizkiyahu's prayer for, to, um, you know, Chizkiyahu prayed prayed to God, and God tells him specifically to save to save Jerusalem. This was in the last chapter, right? And God tells him, yes, I will save Jerusalem, but not in your merit, only because of me, in my own honor, God says. And, um, and we're going to see um, in, in some important points and as well in the next chapter about the the, what must have been the tremendous disappointment that Isaiah experienced in the King Chizkiyo and his behavior in these chapters. So in response to his prayer, Vayidva Adonai Elishayahu Lemar, verse 4, God spoke to Isaiah and said as follows, Haloch v'yamartel Chizkiyo, go to the king and tell him, the king Hezekiah, Ko amar Adonai Elohei David so says God, the God of David your forefather, not your God, but the God of your forefather, who was more righteous than you. Shomati etvilatecha, I have heard your prayer. Ra'iti etimatecha, I have seen your cries and your tears. Henini yosifai omecha chamesh I'm going to add to your years of life 15 years. So now, Fiskiyo has a guarantee that he's going to live another 15 years and he will outlive and the siege and see the saving of his city, Jerusalem. And God immediately says, I will save you from the king of Assyria, and this city. I will also save Viganotiyalirazot, and I will protect the city. And what sign shall I give you that this will be true? And this is the sign that God will do this. There was apparently some kind of sundial that uh, his father Ahaz had established and usually of course the shadow goes in a certain direction the opposite direction of the sun and it goes up in levels steps or levels and it always goes in a certain direction but as a sign to you that I will keep this I'm going to make one day I'm going to make the shadow go in the wrong direction 10 levels it seems interesting. It's hard to know, and I don't know why God exactly chose this particular sign. But I do have an idea as to why he chose specifically 
a sundial that had been built by his father Ahaz. My guess is, is that this was like a significant piece of architecture that Ahaz, his father, had put up. And he was really showing that I'm going to use your father's creation, the one who was evil, the one who wasn't with me, in order to demonstrate this, this, this miracle because I want you to know that it's your father's house. It's the kingdom of David and what it stands for that I'm preserving now. Not you, not in your merit. Even your father who was truly evil was part of that tradition or uh, of David's house. Um, that would be um, one way of understanding why God chose this, the creation of his father, Ahaz, as a sign. And then, of course, Chizkiyahu was happy to hear the news that he was going to be saved. Chizkiyahu got up and recovered from the illness, and, um, and he wrote this following prayer or poem, this song of, of thanks to God, which we're about to read. Interestingly, it says over here that he got up from his illness. And we're going to read later at the end of the chapter that the actual healing didn't place, take place till later which kind of hints to me that this may have been more of an emotional sickness and an emotional depression than a physical illness and a physical depression. might have been an emotional illness with some physical manifestation. Because once he hears the news, he already has the spirit in order to, to say this, this um, thanks to God before the actual physical healing took place, which happened later. Ani Amarti, I said, says Chizkiyahu, Bidme yamai elecha b'sha'arei sha'ol. I thought that I am going to be taken up by God in the middle of my days. In the early days, I'm going to enter the gates of hell. And I was going to remain in, in, in hell in the underworld for the rest of my years, the years that I was supposed to be here. I thought I will never get to see God. I would never get to see Him in the land of the living. I will never be able to see more people. I will never be involved in the worlds of people, right, together with those who inhabit the earth. Now, it's interesting that he's seeing God in the land of the living and seeing along, among the living human beings, which is consistent with the understanding that Judaism has. That true spirituality is right here in this world, among actual people. It's not some esoteric concepts and spiritual concept that we see after we die. But the true experience of God is what we feel in this world. Doreen Nisa, so he's crying, I thought this was going to be the end. The place where I live was what is is taken away from me and it was sent into exile just like the tent of a shepherd you know the tent you know gets picked up and moved to another place it's such a temporary dwelling i'm in this world it's just getting packed up to move off to another place my life is is like um rolled up like like what what a what a weaver um um, takes and rolls up um, from uh, I was only here from just just such a short time just one day one night it feels like my life was so short according to tradition it seems that he was about the age of 39 when this illness happened 
a young age. Shiviti at Boker Kari. Then, um, I, I, uh, I cried or I, I, I concentrated until the morning like a lion. Kenya Shaber Kolatsmotai. So all of my bones were broken. Miyom Adlaila Tashlimani, and I cried from day till night. I cried to God. I chirped like a, a bird, a swift, a swift, fast bird, which was called a sus agur. I cried and, and like a dove cries. My eyes, I, I were exhausted and they looked towards heaven. God, I am in deep trouble. Please help me. Please support me. Please give me the, the what I need. Ma'adaber. What can I even say? And then God told to me, and he did it. All of my um, sleep had been gone. I could not sleep at all because my soul was so bitter from, from, from worry and from suffering from the illness. God um, uh, despite all of that, you, you have given me life, and you have restored me to the my spirit to health, and you have healed me, and you have given me life and revived me. It was it was that that all that bitterness that I had ended up for peace. It ended up converting into something peaceful, something nice. And you desired my soul, and you'd rather have me here in this life rather than throwing me into the depths of, of the underworld of hell. Because you have taken my sins for which you were punishing me, you have forgiven them, and you've thrown them behind your back. As someone takes something that he wants to get rid of and, and so to speak, throws it behind his back, so did God. Because and he says something that's an important idea, that once I'm dead, once I'm gone, I no longer can give thanks to you, God. So once a person is gone, no longer can he give praise to God. The, 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 the place where we give praise to God is here in this world. Those that are down in the pit that are buried, they are not able to, um, to, to pray for or hope for or or search for your truth and kindness. Chai, chai, only those that are alive who can give you thanks. Kumoni hayom, like I am now today. Avlevonim, I am a father to children. I can teach my children and I can teach them to go on the right path. Adonai God, you have decided to save me. again, And my songs I shall sing. All the days of our lives, of the lives of the people, I'll be on God. And then when Isaiah heard the prayer of the thanks of Chizkiyahu, of Hezekiah, Yisud he said, go take uh, some, some figs, and smear them over the boils on his body, and he will then live. And this happened after he sang the song, and, and after we already said before that his spirit was restored to him. So there's clearly both a psychological component and a physical component to the illness. It seems that Yeshayahu picked something figs which which were really in those days and in that environment was like really basic stuff he didn't ask for some 
off, you know, some exotic herb. He said, just take some figs and smear them on him, and he'll get better. You know, just, just do it. Some uh, magical cure or some maybe not magical cure, maybe there's some healing properties. What a sign is this? And Hezekiah said, wow, what a sign this is. That I will further be able to go into the house of God and worship God. Now, while there's many beautiful ideas expressed in this prayer about philosophical ideas about life and death and, and the purpose of life and the truth of God, etc., there is not one single mention here of the people of Israel that have just been saved one of the most miraculous um, uh, salvations in the history of the Jewish people. Not one word about justice and righteousness and social justice and, and feeding the poor and the innocent and so on. Not one word. The rabbis in Tractate Sanhedrin point this out and say, why is it that Isaiah go ahead, went, I mean not Isaiah, Cheskiah was able to sing this beautiful song of salvation and thanks to God when he himself got better from his illness? Why didn't he sing when, when God saved Jerusalem from the siege of the Assyrians, when God saved the people? We know that Yeshayahu, Isaiah, had predicted that Chizkiyahu, Hezekiah, had the potential to be the Messiah. Pele Gibar, a son is born to us who is going to be the one who establishes justice and righteousness. And Hezekiah had the potential to be that one. And the rabbis teach us that right over here at this point was the point where Chizkiyahu lost that test and lost that potential. When he was only able to thank God for his own salvation, and neglected to thank God for the salvation of the people. When he was only able to look at the theological aspects of God, but not take it to the next step and say, therefore I need to take care of God's people, and I need to establish justice and righteousness in the land. Because Chizkiyahu missed that opportunity. He missed the opportunity to be who he could have been, which is the Messiah. Isaiah, it's hard to imagine the intense and incredible amount of disappointment that Yeshayahu must have experienced, Isaiah must have experienced when he saw this. We're going to come back to this in the next chapter 39 as we study it together um, because this will further be able to see how Isaiah brings out this point of the, of the unfortunate failure of Chizkiyahu to step up to the plate at the moment when he needed to and the disappointment he, Isaiah must have felt when, when, uh, when, when this when this when this happened thank you so much for joining us for Isaiah 38 looking forward to studying Isaiah 39 together